Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, the final hour is here. Thursday edition, Outkick 360. Chad, uh, Mike, almost made it hot in this long I know, week. It feels here. like Saturday, but it's Thursday. Thursday. We've almost made it. So close. Um, the South, the South Bend Tribune reporting that Notre Dame basketball coach Mike Bray will retire at the end of the season. Plans to tell the team after practice. 23 seasons in South Bend for Coach Bray. Mike Bray, 23 seasons, but also crazy because I think of Mike Bray and I think of success Mm -hmm. at, at Notre Dame. I mean, you last anywhere in major college basketball that long. It's very successful. He's only been to one NCAA tournament in six years. Now, I say that to not blast Mike Bray. I say that as a warning to fans of teams that don't understand that it can be difficult to regularly make the tournament. Tennessee basketball fans, one of them. I got into this debate with a number of people where they're saying, well, if your goal is to make the tournament every year, then Rick Barnes is a good coach. And I'm thinking, you know, at Tennessee, that's not a bad goal to have. Uh, in my life, they've had years where they're not going to the tournament, and it's it's a, a miracle when it happens eventually. Now, it's that's a good basketball program, Tennessee, but that's maybe not the best example. South Carolina, uh, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, uh, Northwestern, who's never been but one time to the tournament. You can go on down the list of Power 5 conference schools that don't regularly make the tournament. Nebraska, who I'm watching last night against Ohio State. So many examples of these teams that when you see someone like Mike Bray, who pretty regularly was making it early in his career, but hasn't in the last six years, it shows you it's not easy to do you know, all the time. So I think of him with great success, but it surprised me that number. One in six years, the last six, he's been to the tournament. And they made the Elite Eight in 14 and 15 and uh, in the 2016 season as well. Um, yeah, and he's the winningest coach at Notre Dame, 481 wins. And Chad, there's also something to be said for stepping away at the right time, right? Yeah. Instead of a year too late. Or being forced out and it being known. And maybe, you know, there's conversations behind the scenes with everything. But the fact he's going out in his own terms and he's, you know, announcing it today that it's over at the end of the year, he's going out the right way. Yeah, Colin, who's our radio producer, is a huge Notre Dame fan. And he had mentioned Digger Phelps as, you know, the guy for him. I mean, Digger Phelps, Mike Bray, if you said Notre Dame basketball, those are the two names that come to mind. That's always the test for me. Like, say a program, and then if you have to think for 30 seconds on, who's the top name you think of with that program? Those are going to be two of the top ones that, that you think about of all time. And Mike Bray's had a heck of a career, and you're right. 64 years old. They've got a losing record right now. They're probably not going to be in the tournament. One in six years. Now's the time to retire. I think it's the right decision. How about this? Uh, Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson has called Sean Payton 
to let him know that he wants Peyton to be the Broncos head coach. Now, this is, of course, uh, the logical destination based on everything that's in place within the organization, right? But this is interesting because you've got the former Super Bowl winning quarterback who's been to 2-1-1, coming off an abysmal season. And he's reaching out to the guy that he wants to work with to make sure he gets back to what is expected to be the Russell Wilson way in, in Denver. Um, Cowherd is the one putting this out there. Russell Wilson has contacted Sean legally, by the way, through channels. Uh, he wants Sean Payton. He needs fixing. Through channels. He needs fixing. He, know, he knows he needs fixing. And Coward also know that he's talked with uh, Sean Payton about the Broncos' job, which we've alluded to earlier this week. But he had a career low, Russell Wilson did a career low, a low passer rating, 84.4. And he completed just 60% of his pass attempts, 16 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. And Payton has been very open about how he would go about fixing Russell Wilson while on Fox. It um, makes a lot of sense. I, I first off, I want to work in through channels through to everything channels. I do. I, I don't legally ever, through channels. I don't ever. I don't think you and I should communicate directly anymore. Let's always talk quote through channels. That's how yes. we officially talk on this show is through channels at all times. Love that. <laughs> um, th- there's you know a phrase of big you know what energy. That's what's happening with Rob Walton and the Broncos right now. The Russell Wilson move, which has backfired. No doubt. That was a big you-know-what energy move. Sean Payton, to me, if I'm looking at ownership groups and what they want to do well, to make a splash... Keep in mind, splash, they traded for him prior to selling. Yeah, but I'm saying the direction that's going, that was done pre-sell to sell to a guy like Rob sure. Walton yeah, the for $4.8 billion, I think was the price tag when he bought the team. Yep. The largest in professional sports history. Um. This feels like a big move. I mean, the whole time we're trying to match up Sean Payton, where he's going to go. And it's the opposite. I've always felt like this is a Walmart owner, air type move. And it's the opposite of the coach they just hired and fired. Who was a dunce. Yes. In every way possible from from day one. It's just not made out to be a head coach. Well, it's the opposite. Let's also look at the Chargers. Assistant. We discussed this with Armando Salguero. The Chargers are a low-energy franchise with their ownership group. They look they feel like or they're just the, skating they're a stepchild by. Yeah, they're the Rams. They're hoping that to look at their books at the end of the year and be in the black. And that's about it. They're not going big. They never do that. Um when they play home games, the stadium's taken over by the opposing team's fan base. They're a franchise trying to skate by. The Broncos are not. When you spend four point eight billion on a product like the Walton family did and uh, headed by Rob Walton you're going big. This feels like a big Broncos move to go and get Sean Payton, if it can work out. We got the YouTube chat going right now, and people are saying this is all going to come down to what Sean Payton wants. Yes and no, because something we've talked about constantly, Hutton, you've got to have the capital to do it. It's got to be the deal also with the, the Saints. It's not just Sean Payton goes to Mickey Loomis and the Saints and says, this is where I want to go. Make it happen. Don't care what happens for you guys in this. It's going to take all parties agreeing. The organization that I think can really turn things around with him is Houston. The perception with Houston is they have leadership issues from ownership down. You know, and Casario, they've been through, what, three straight years with a new head coach. 
and going into four straight years with a different head coach to begin opening weekend, by bringing in Sean Payton and having the number two overall pick, potentially number one, but you you got to trade up. We know that. But to pair the quarterback with Payton and then start building out the franchise the right way, that to me is a big turning point for them that they can make outside of any other hire right now. The other organizations like Carolina, Denver, you know, you've got Peyton coming in there, but it doesn't feel like Carolina's got a nice young team, but you still don't know where they are in the pecking order of the NFC. I think the quality for them is their NFC, though, right? Meanwhile, Chad, in Denver, you're just in the mix of everything, and it's still a Russell Wilson, no matter how you look at it, going into what, year 12, I believe? You've got the aging quarterback where eventually you're going to have to pair something else with Sean Payton based on the contract you're going to give him. I think if you're looking for the fresh start, clean slate, power move, Houston can also do that for an organization that has not made great moves lately. Let's rank the options right now. So for Sean Payton, just outside in, not this is not Sean Payton's mind, it's mine. Three legitimate options I'm going to list right now, Carolina, Denver, and Houston. Carolina, to me, is only appealing if they trade up to number one, which I've said I think that that may happen, where they trade up to number one and get, let's say, Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, whoever yep. it is, as their, their number one pick. That's very, very appealing. That franchise, may David I, Tepper, let with me that also, quarterback. Let me also say, Carolina and David, they have wanted to go after the free the aging quarterback. quarterback. And, and Rodgers had been mentioned there during that saga with Green Bay last year and the year prior. So just throw, I'm just throwing that out there because I, Tepper I continues to talk about veteran quarterback. It's interesting. I don't think that's appealing right now to, uh, to, to Sean Payton. I don't. And I'm going back to those initial reports that the two teams he's most interested in, Cardinals, Chargers, because of the young quarterbacks. Yeah. Because of guys he could have for a while. So I don't Franchise think uh, guys. a one or two year, you know, play one year and then worry about the guy retiring after that year, is that appealing to him? So I think for that reason, Panthers are clearly third of those three teams. Texans, he, he meets with them tomorrow. Texans are very appealing to me. Me too. Because the Texans, you are the, the man in the franchise. You're starting from scratch. They've got a decent base based on all the picks they've had and high picks and everything else, but you yep. are going to have the ability to draft your quarterback of choice, whether that be tr- trading up one spot or even at number two. You're, you're going to have that, that young quarterback you want. So I'm putting Texans one. The Broncos are the better franchise. They're, I mean, it's a short tenure that we've had with Rob Walton as the owner, but I'd put their ownership group above the Texans and their entire setup. So I think historically infrastructure, everything better with the Broncos than with the Texans. But you're also inheriting Russell Wilson. So does a reclamation project with a guy who does have years left in his career, but not a and ton. On that contract. But not a ton. Um, does that interest you more than a rookie quarterback with Bryce Young, let's say, coming into Houston? So what's your preference there? Here's my preference. Houston 1, Denver 2, Carolina 3 if I'm Sean Payton. Because I'm essentially the team owner in Houston, if I'm Sean Payton, with your guy at quarterback. Knowing that you're going to draft a quarterback number one or number two overall. And that is your guy. You're married to him. That is your future. 
I would take that scenario. Well, and he's a, I mean, he has done a lot of great things with Drew Brees. I think the underrated value of Sean Payton was shown last year where he took that team to uh, right on the verge of a postseason berth. And he was, I think the Saints were the last team that were really screwed over by the COVID protocols too last year. But he went through four different quarterbacks, Chad, and still had that team competitive. The drop him into what is already established, Denver's the number one option. Now that's that's the parachute approach. Solid defense. Parachute him in, and he's going to do something with Russell Wilson and, and change the course of that. But isn't it interesting that, that Wilson acknowledges that? Right? Like they, Wilson's recruiting him. It's not just Denver willing to, hey, fix our quarterback. Wilson is calling him to have him go to Denver. You know, I don't. I don't really want to hear from Russell Wilson right now after this I would season. if I'm Sean Payton. I mean, I, 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 I mean I, you're married to him if you go there because you can't move on based on the cap restraints if you do. So you, if you go there, you're signing up with Russell Wilson. Well, I say that to say, I mean, it's a no-brainer. Who wouldn't want to work with Sean Payton? Especially someone as bad as Russell Wilson this last year. <laughs> well, Right? I mean, I don't know that that's a sales pitch. Is, there, is Bryce Young going to come in and say, you know what? I don't want to work with this coach based on no, his track but, record. So I don't. But pairing up like. If, I mean, working through channels again, we got to go through channels, working through channels to get to Sean Payton. I, Russell Wilson is at a very, very, I know his contract is great, but he does not exactly, he's not negotiating or recruiting from a place of power right now. I don't want to hear from Russell Wilson for the time being. Let's let let's watch. The only power he has is the fact he can't be moved. Look, if Sean Payton comes in and that offense looks different, and Nathaniel Hackett proves to be the moron we all saw that he was last year, and they look better, and he looks better, and Sean Payton's calling plays and designing offense that works for Russell Wilson, then I'll hear from you again, Russell Wilson. I don't want to hear from him right now. Let me also throw out just what has been acknowledged because the NFL penalized Miami for it. The recruitment of the Dolphins with Sean Payton pairing him with Tom Brady, who is going to be available. That's the other X factor here. Can you bring him to Houston? Could you bring him to Carolina? I just don't think, again, I, I, I mean, Sean Payton, I'm going off the original report that he favored two teams, young quarterbacks of both teams. I don't think Sean Payton is looking to parachute in somewhere and coach Brady or Rodgers for a year and try to win a title with them. Well, I mean, and then start over. But the it's just no different than Russell Wilson wanting to work with Sean Payton. I would want to work with Justin Herbert too if I'm Sean Payton. But if I'm Sean Payton, also I am looking at it. I look at Houston for this reason. I, I want to go somewhere and do do the Saints again. Let's let's do that again. Let's let's get a quarterback that's going to start out that I can develop and mold, and let's have an 8-10 to year run, then I'll retire, let's win a Super Bowl or two, let's be in the playoffs every year with that quarterback, I don't have to worry about it once I have my guy, and let's move forward. I just don't think, I could be completely wrong, I just don't think Sean Payton wants to get parachuted in to a situation with a one-year fix of Brady and then wipe that whole thing clean and start over again. But that would be fun to watch if he was paired with one of those guys for a year. But it's probably going to be a year, maybe two. Well, and they went after him. You know, they they were linked together last year. I I wonder if Brady, you know, in the talks with Miami, I'd love to have the you know the fast forward twenty years for the thirty for thirty well, feature on how that, on that yacht meeting. How surprised would you be if Brady retired this offseason? Actually, stuck to it. 
I would be surprised. I'd be shocked. I'd be surprised. He's playing. I'd be shocked based on everything that's gone down. I'd be shocked if he, he hung it up after this season. What about Rodgers? I wouldn't be as shocked. I'd be surprised a little bit, but I wouldn't be as shocked. I think they're both coming back and playing with different teams. That's what I think is likely to happen. Unless... Here's the other one. Derek Carr. Does Sean Payton have any interest in Derek Carr in Carolina, let's say? That's in, I mean... That's kind of the Russell Wilson. I mean, yeah. if you're looking at two guys right now, you could flip a coin and tell me who's going to have the better next five years in the league between Derek Carr and Russell Wilson. I, see, I mean, but, Russell Wilson looked done this year. I, again, it was, really I, it, bad. it was so bad with Nathaniel Hackett. Maybe that's the biggest problem. Well, and the, but he you, looked awful, and, and he was team, bad the year before. He was down the year before. And the team around him, I, you just watching it. It, it wasn't Zach Wilson awful with the body language of the team with him. It was pretty bad. Yeah, with Russell Wilson out there. Not like they had a great backup option, but I'm saying I, like, I don't you just the the overall vibe with the team didn't feel like the vibe with the team in Seattle. Granted, Derek Carr did not win enough. Everyone can admit that in, with the Raiders. I didn't get the same sense that his teammates were down on him the way that Russell Wilson's teammates were. That the body yeah. language is bad. Maybe I'm wrong. There's a, there's a report out, by the way, speaking of uh, Wilson in New York, that after the 10-3 loss against New England, the game that was 3-3 then ended on the pick, uh, or the kick return, excuse me, that they openly were like vocal and like celebrating the fact that Zach Wilson was going to be benched. And that there was a wow. there was a like vocal sigh like uh, like a groan whenever they learned that Mike White wasn't cleared to play and Zach Wilson was back in. <laughs> All that offseason talk about him with the mom, the Cougar, just <laughs> went right away. Peak Zach Wilson. Yep. BYU Cougars, and then his Cougar, and then that was that was the last yeah. good press that, that Zach it. Wilson ever received. It. You know, that was it. Really looked like an alpha for a little bit, and then went right and away. He's another offseason. That's right. Uh, coming up, one big thing on every NFL game for the divisional round, and we will discuss the new generation of quarterbacks on Outkick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. 
Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Our location at 6th and Peabody in Music City. Hutton and Withrow with you. Chad, what's your favorite game of the weekend? Favorite game of the weekend? Niners-Cowboys. Can't get away from that one. Maybe it's nostalgic for my childhood, watching those games in the 90s. I mean, going back to the 80s, these were big-time games between these two franchises. But I just think... Um, it's just a beautiful game to watch. These colors on the field together. I have long That's, been a proponent of the 49ers uniforms. Some of the best in all the sports, the color combination. But Cowboys, Niners on the field next to each other. Always beautiful. I'm most excited about this one. Um, for me, it's Bengals, Bills. That's 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 second place for me. I mean, it's and both of those are on Sunday. That's a good answer. Uh, two great games on Saturday as well. Here's one big thing on every NFL game for the divisional round. And Chad, let's start. We'll just go in order of kickoff. Jacksonville on the road against Kansas City. We get the rematch from Week Ten, where Kansas City opened with a 20-point advantage, and Jacksonville tried to close the gap. They weren't boat raced. It felt like it was going to be. But this is one of those games where the Jags have to come out firing on all cylinders. This is not some comeback kid in Trevor Lawrence because you can't do that against KC. They have to go toe-to-toe, and then they also have to make some breaks for themselves. Kansas City's defense doesn't get the ball back that often. They don't have many takeaways compared to the other defenses that are remaining. But they're right outside the top 10 in total defense, which is vastly different than where they were entering the playoffs last year. Trevor Lawrence has got to protect the football and then rely on great games from Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Marvin Jones, Evan Ingram, who we saw here in Nashville have a fantastic performance, the best performance of any single game from a tight end this year. They have to click on all cylinders against a Kansas City team that I think comes out maybe a bit sluggish, but turns it on in the second half. I think Jacksonville can hang with them and... Here's Zay Jones, who I think could be an X-Factor. He's coming off a year where he had a career high in catches, receiving yards. Third straight postseason game is what he can have with a touchdown reception. He also caught 10 passes whenever they met in Week 10. Zay Jones. Be on the lookout for him against Kansas City's defense. He's like a third option, but he's great for Trevor Lawrence in this matchup. If I had to pick one game I think could be a blowout, it's this one. But we're in the divisional round now. I mean, there's no game you look at and say, oh, this is definitely going to be this team by three scores or anything close to that. Um, but it, I'm I'm leaning towards this one. If one could get out of hand, it's Chiefs over Jags. And KC doesn't have much of a run game, but they do have a solid running back in Jarek McKinnon this year. He led all uh, NFL running backs nine touchdown catches this season. That's the most by a running back in a single season in the Super Bowl era. He's also averaging 110 yards from scrimmage per game. So while they don't have much of a run game to lean on, the extension of their run game through McKinnon is fantastic. And the young, fast Jags defense is going to be trying to track him down. Meanwhile, ETN is also capable of taking over. This is a fun game. That play call to ETN on fourth and short, where instead of they they lined up where it was going to be the sneak with the – players from behind shoving the quarterback forward and it ran to the outside with ETN that made it an easy field goal to win the game a brilliant play call gutsy play call and that that moment yeah. on fourth and short but ETN showed off that speed on that play do you trust Daniel Jones 
I don't. I think my hesitation probably answers the question. I want to. I want to buy into this. I'm just not sold on the fact that he's going to go back-to-back performances where he takes over a postseason game. Philadelphia has won its last nine home games against the New York Giants. And to me, this is... When we talk blowouts, this could be the blowout of the weekend. A lot of people are picking the Giants. I want to buy into what Daniel Jones has done. It's a phenomenal story and turnaround. He's earned the right to be back as the starting quarterback for Brian Dayball, who's going to be coach of the year. But I think everything stacks up well for Philly in this matchup. Everyone's pointing to Week 18. Rewind to their first matchup where Philly won easily in the regular season. And Jalen Hurts is not on the injury report. That's a key factor for a defense that can get after the quarterback with 65-plus sacks, great on the back end of their D, receiving options for days, a run game that always shows up, and a quarterback that's truly dual threat. I think they're ready to take over. And whoever they end up hosting for the NFC Championship game, that's going to be the game of the year. My question to your question about Daniel Jones is, do we truly trust Jalen Hurts? in this game. I trust Jalen Hurts in that Eagles offense more than what his supporting cast is for Daniel Jones, but I think it's a viable question right now also with the lack of true big-time playoff experience. Hodgins for for Jones is a great target for the Giants here. He led the Giants eight catches, 105 yards, and a touchdown against Minnesota, and he has a touchdown catch in five of his last six games, which counts last week. Can they keep that going? This is a group where, and and maybe, I I think it's probably still the case. I think if you poll the average NFL fan, I think the average fan chat is hard-pressed to name five players on their roster. And And I'm giving you two with Jones and Saquon. You know what that leads to? NFL Coach of the Year. Yeah. Because there's not huge star power on the team, and and they're here in the divisional round. and, and, And against a division opponent. So that can also benefit... Uh, Dayball and company and the X factor can be Wink Martindale who came over from Baltimore and now he's tasked with slowing down the Philadelphia offense Sunday we kick things off Bengals Bills Cincinnati enters having won nine straight games the Bills have won eight straight but Miami is the only playoff team that they face throughout this stretch of eight straight wins now Of course, they kicked off against Cincinnati. That game ended midway through the first quarter. They have four wins of their 14 against teams that made the postseason. Buffalo. Miami played them twice. And they also played against KC and Baltimore. not saying I think that's a detriment to this team. They're the best, if not, what, second best, I think, top to bottom to Philly. And I would certainly take them over KC. I I would take Cincinnati over KC right now. But Josh Allen, while he's excellent, he's elite, if he continues to play the way he's been playing, Chad, Cincinnati's going to win this game. And it won't be by a, a single possession. Josh Allen's turning it over way too much. Three more turnovers this past Sunday. And he now has an NFL high 22 turnovers. 16 interceptions, six fumbles. Uh, lost fumbles, and he has six picks in his last three starts. It's routine. It's not a one-off for him anymore. We don't like to talk about what happened in the game that DeMar Hamlin had his incident in, but 
I believe it was seven nothing Cincinnati, and they were driving. Seven three. It was seven three. They were driving maybe to go up fourteen three at that point in the game. Um, I say that to say this: I need to see Buffalo play well. They didn't play well against the Dolphins. They allowed a team that had no business hanging around, hang around. Yeah. Because they played poorly. This is a really good Bills team. They need a good performance. Obviously, to win, they're going to need to play really well against the Cincinnati team. But for just the sake of believing in this team right now, they need to come out and have a great game. That's what I want to see on Sunday uh, when they take the field. We haven't really seen it. I don't think the New England performance was particularly great. You got two Naheem Hines kickoff returns for touchdowns. That's the difference in the game. Yep. Other than that, they're dead even with a pretty mediocre to bad Very average. Patriots team. Yep. So let's pick it up right now, Buffalo. Buffalo's to pick it defense. Back up. I, this, is this the game where they make up for the loss of Von Miller, or is this the game where we actually see the lack of Von Miller come, come and play a factor? Because Cincinnati's offensive line banged up. They're going to miss three starters from the group that they overhauled this offseason. Um, starting a couple rookies now. And... Can they get after Joe Burrow? Can they put pressure on him? Since he's defense not great on third down, Buffalo's defense has been. Can they take advantage of a depleted offensive line for Cincy? And Gabe Davis, six catches, 113 yards, a touchdown last week. Third straight playoff game with a receiving touchdown. Of course, we know the game of his life against KC. Can they connect again and allow Buffalo to have the one-two punch? I think this is a fantastic game. And again, it just sounds simple. I need to see Buffalo play well. Well, but they have they haven't done he, that since he didn't play well last week either. No, but I trust Joe Burrow. We're going to be trusting Joe Burrow, Josh Allen out, out of this game. That's the big question. Cowboys 49ers, Chad's game of the week. Yes, Prescott against the Bucks, fantastic. Not many quarterbacks though have been fantastic against San Francisco's defense. This is a defense that fi- finished the regular season number one in scoring. They've allowed just 16 points per game. Total defense, number one in the NFL. They, on average, 300 total yards per game. Opposing quarterbacks average 223 passing yards per game and just over one touchdown per game. Per game. That's uh, unbelievable in a passing league and a, a league that's set up where the rules are against you if you're a defensive-minded football team. One more chance for Brock Purdy. To shock the world and show that he is the next Tom Brady. That happens this weekend. Tony Pollard, the Cowboys' top running back and their best offensive weapon. Career highs in yards from scrimmage this year. Rushing yards, receiving yards, rushing touchdowns, receiving touchdowns. Will they just rely on the run game instead of putting it all on the shoulder of Dak Prescott? They're going to try to rely on the run game until they have to rely on the shoulder of Dak Prescott. That is my prediction for this game. That is going to be the game plan. They're not going to be able to do it. 49ers are too good just to have the Cowboys run all over them and win this game. They're going to run it. They're going to run it well at times, but this is going to come down to Dak Prescott not screwing it up. He didn't do it against Tampa. In fact, he was brilliant in that game. Terrific performance. They're going to need that again from Dak Prescott in this game. This is not going to be a lineup, run it, don't make big plays, the quarterback position win. For the Cowboys, he's going to have to play huge in this game. Well, and the Dallas defense, can you alluded to this earlier this week, 
Can the Dallas defense rattle the rookie quarterback? With Micah Parsons and Diggs and the entire they crew. They rattle Tom Brady. The entire crew that has been great in, in, in stretches. They finish the season. They can get after the QB, but they finish the season not really rushing the quarterback all that well. Can they get after Purdy? Can they force him into some mistakes and then take advantage of short field options with Prescott, who looks locked in? I mean, that the way he played last week, I think that carries over. There's a confidence level of just getting over the hump against a, a very average playoff team in Tampa that I think can carry over to San Francisco and what's going to be a, uh, a dogfight. Yeah, it's uh, Brady... Not a good offense this year. A lot of issues with that. But I felt like he was legitimately confused post-snap in the in the game against the Cowboys. If they can do that to Tom Brady, they can do it to Brock Purdy in this game. That's one big thing on every NFL game. And um, throughout this, uh, you mentioned Brady. No Rodgers. No quarterback over the age of 30 years old. Uh, Prescott's the oldest quarterback remaining in what we had a big discussion topic on this past summer, where this felt like the passing of the torch to the new generation of quarterback, the new era of quarterbacks. And it's very lopsided, AFC, where it's stacked in the, in the AFC, top to bottom, with the playoff status of what you expect from the QBs. But even from the, the NFC perspective, with Jalen Hurts coming on, Daniel Jones playing very well, Brock Purdy being one of the top storylines of the NFL, especially if they win this week and he goes to the NFC Championship game. And Dak Prescott, the QB of America's team, potentially taking Dallas to the NFC Championship game with a chance to host it if the Giants pull the upset as well. Crazy that Mahomes is 27 and Allen is 26. Feels like, especially with Mahomes, we've been talking about them for 10 years. <laughs> well, you know, It feels like they've been in the league for a decade but they, they, with as much as that we've talked about them, especially Patrick Mahomes. The other thing that's crazy is Stetson Bennett would be the third oldest quarterback, right? No, yeah. fourth. He's 25. Yeah. Third, uh, yeah, even fourth oldest remaining of the active QBs. <laughs> it, it's <laughs> nuts. I, I, I thought that the playoffs at this point without a Brady or a Rodgers especially would be dampened a bit. Mm-hmm. I don't feel that way with, with this group of teams and quarterbacks left. I don't feel that way going to this weekend. I feel like we've got a good set of quarterbacks, a good set of teams. Crazy, though, to look at the ages of some of these guys that you feel like you've been talking about them forever, and they're still in their mid to late 20s. Well, and then I think you know, this would also give me some hesitation depending on – you know, the job status, uh, because it is about trying to keep your job. Let's throw that out there, too, from general managers and head coaches. But it's about winning, first and foremost. That's how you keep your job. I would also be looking at this as, is the investment in Brady and Rodgers where where it's more valuable than trying to go find the, find next, the next one of these guy? guys? Yeah, because I think we're really seeing the... The changing of the guard. Now it's very much it, like I'm. I'm thinking in a different mindset if I'm in the NFC compared to the AFC. But if you're in the AFC, um, I mean, look at Denver has. You know, they would like to take back what they've done, right? With Russell Wilson, there's only one or two teams I feel like every year that's in that position that the roster around quarterback is good enough to take a swing on a guy who's 45 or a guy who's 40, mm-hmm. to be the quarterback for a year, maybe two, to, to make that happen. 
Hutton, I think with everyone else, you're always looking for that next guy. Houston, definitely in a position looking for the next guy. Carolina, got to find the next guy in the draft. You got to find this 20-something that's going to be in this list that we've been showing you of quarterbacks in the playoffs. You got to find that guy. It's not worth it to go for the, the older quarterback for a one-year fix. It's just a very limited group of teams that you can realistically point to and say, they may be really good with the right guy. That's the teams we talked about. Vegas, the Jets, maybe Miami. Outside of that, there's really no one. Everyone and else either has a quarterback or is in a clear position to find the next young quarterback. And five of the eight QBs remaining are first-round picks. Yep. Purdy's the outlier. Final pick in the NFL draft with an amazing story. Prescott was a fourth-round pick. And Jalen Hurts, a second-round pick. 53rd overall with a chance to take over as the top QB in the NFC. But beyond that, the investment comes through the first round draft, which goes back to the Sean Payton discussion and why Houston makes a ton of sense. Absolutely. Huge news in recruiting, by the way, in the transfer portal. Eric Gilbert, who's a former number one or number two overall player in the country, five-star tight end, was at Georgia, got lost in the shuffle behind Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington, didn't play at tight end. He is headed to Nebraska. Hmm. And Matt Rule, transferring from Georgia to Nebraska. Matt Rule's going to do good things at Nebraska. What's He's it, going to recruit well. What's the start for him been like so far? It's been good. I mean, they've. it's not been overwhelming, but they've they've had an uptick well, in recruiting. Just like this. And the transfer portal's been good to them. I think he can win relatively fast there. I told all my in-laws in Nebraska this when they were asking about my thoughts on it. I said, he's going to look like a hero mm -hmm. because they're going to go 7-5 and five this year. And They've th been so bad at winning close games. I, I don't think that Nebraska, from a roster standpoint, is that far off, even with their bad records from being 7-5, and 8-4, especially in the Big Ten West, which is incredibly weak. Yes. So he's going to look great because they're going to – go to a bowl game and be a couple games over 500. That's it, my prediction. What's his offense going to be able to look like in year one? Depends on who's playing quarterback. Casey Thompson's coming back, who was the transfer from Texas. Got Can he do what he wants to oh, do? The transfer from uh, Sims, Blake Sims from Georgia Tech is transferring oh. in. So they're going to have a mobile guy at quarterback. Yeah, I think that they're going to be able to do most of what they want to try to do. Obviously not a finished product based on who you need to bring in for recruiting, but it's not going to be bad. Hit us up on social at Outkick360. Coming up, we'll take a peek at the sports landscape for tonight. We've got some SEC hoops we can preview as well. And the report out of New York involving Zach Wilson and the reaction from the locker room in a 10-3 loss. Um, craziness to know what was going on behind the scenes for a team that was positioned for the postseason at the time. That's next and I'll kick 360. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
John Harbaugh, head coach of the Ravens, saying there is a 200% chance that Lamar Jackson is back with the Ravens. Oh, there you go. Outkick 360 Famous last words. 200% chance. And that Eric DaCosta, their GM, says we're excited to start up negotiations again with Lamar. Also sounds like something Jim Harbaugh would say. Right? Well. That's a very Jim Harbaugh-like quote. Yeah. We are 200% happy to be alive and beat Michigan Wolverines today. I am 200% certain Lamar Jackson being inside of his brain. I know that he'll be back with the Baltimore Ravens. Something you don't see often, an NFL player winning an appeal. And we said at the time it was going to be very difficult for the NFL to try to police this. Uh, but Cam Jordan, who was fined fifty grand for apparently faking an injury. Remember this story with the Saints? He has won his appeal where he's been vindicated of faking an injury because he was fine, Chad, after he appeared on the team's injury report the following week for the game that they were citing to where they, he, he was claiming, claiming he was actually hurt and the NFL fined him. They find his assistant coach. They find the, the organization for this. Uh, Cam Jordan wins the appeal. I don't know how you're going to try to police this if you're the league because I think it's very difficult to prove, especially if the guy, based on the talk, the doctors, are putting him on the report the following week. I think there's like a hip or something. Yeah. I'm, some- I'm, all, I'm all for cracking down on it. I just don't know how you, you can find these guys. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it was crazy how swift that was, too. Yes. With that story, I was I was shocked that they actually went forward and did something like that. And then the the Bucks tried to hurry up and get to the line on fourth down. He went down to the ground, and they were assessed an injury timeout. Right, they gave him a breather. But after that, the Bucks punted anyway. So it's a legitimate reason, very difficult to prove. So I don't know how we see this going down the path of more fines and this happening more often. This happens way more often, though, in the collegiate ranks. Yes, and it's got to be cleaned up. It's something that's been a huge issue, and everyone violates it at, at one point or another. But it, it's got to be cleaned up. Hutton, if today felt like Saturday to me, will tomorrow feel like Sunday? Th- these are the thoughts that float around in Maybe. my brain. Maybe. Maybe. To- Does it feel like tomorrow I should be get- gearing up for uh, watching The Last of Us on HBO <laughs> on Sunday night and then going back to work the next day? Or do I feel like a break? As long be as order. tomorrow doesn't feel like a Monday for you, I'm all for it. I'm going out of town this weekend for a, a little family reunion up to the mountains, and I feel like I should be in the mountains right now, preparing for dinner, and then you know going to bed early, hunting and killing your dinner. Yes, we'll go out and kill a bear, <laughs> and then bring it back, and uh, I'll skin it and fillet it. I love how it was the bear group. that you're going to have yes. for dinner. You know what's you for know, dinner tonight, bear. kids? Bear. <laughs> It's a very, it's a very tough meat, but it's something that you're going to get used to o- over the years. It's going to be great for everyone involved. The other decisions I have to make is softball coaching is coming back around. Got the big text from the head of our league, and it, we have now become a keeper league in uh, that's good seven eight that's year old softball. Uh, I intentionally drafted young with my daughter being in her first year in the league uh, right out of the bat thinking that they're going to eventually change their stance and allow you to keep everyone from the year before. They've done that, Hutton. So I feel like uh, my little Red Sox this year had a bit of an advantage over everyone else. When is this draft? The evaluations are this weekend, but... Oh, you're I'm, assigned? I'm out of town. My two assistant coaches also coach basketball. 
So my daughter's missing her basketball game this weekend. They're coaching basketball. They're going to somehow split it up. We've been talking about it, where one will be there for half the evaluations, the other one will get there for the second half because of their basketball start times. Um, here's a, a, a quick, not primary complaint, but secondary complaint. We have to do a better job of finding ways for these leagues not to bleed over into each other. Most kids who play baseball or softball also play basketball in the winter. So when you're asking someone to be at evaluations from 9.30 a.m. until 2 p.m. on a Saturday in January, let me, let me tell you something about that Saturday in January. Most of these kids who are participating in team sports are playing a team sport, namely basketball, at the exact same time. These games are in the morning for little kids most of the time. So asking them to be at both is sometimes an impossibility. So you have For to acknowledge the kid and the parent. You have to acknowledge it's like it's like playing high school sports at a small town school. You have to acknowledge and respect the other sports, knowing you're going to share athletes amongst the sports. We got to get to a place where that's acknowledged with different Man, leagues. You know, just just wait until you have two eye. kids playing this schedule. Well, this is another big topic for another day, but all it does is encourage you. One sport. You, speak, you pick one sport right off the bat, and then you stick with it and play travel ball constantly. Which I think sucks. And it's burnout. Spread it out. By the time you get to high school, you're burned no out. No eight-year-old should be playing travel ball. I'm sorry. Well, there's a lot of teams that play travel ball at seven, eight, nine years old. And I'm thinking, eleven, twelve. With yeah, okay. Maybe if you really want to stick to it, full time. Which would be but, like what sixth, seventh grade? Right. My daughter does fifth grade. Uh, does uh, hip hop dance, tap dance, basketball, piano, softball. Let them do everything. <laughs> Let the kids play. <laughs> that's the, that's what I, that's my message in the show. Let Greg Washinsky join this damn show and let the kids play. This is my message. Allow Washinsky to allow Washinsky on the show. Greg Washinsky should probably unblock me. I'm sure he's done that and join the show. John McClain will join us tomorrow. Hope you will too. We start at three o'clock Eastern on the Outkick Network. <laughs>